Hello, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving in the United States. Anyone listening? Because, yes, this is the Thanksgiving Day episode, and I guess what you should be thankful for is that the events that transpire in this miniseries did not take place, or hopefully have not taken place since the recording of this. Yes, I am going to be talking about good omens this week, but... As I think I am the devil on the shoulder of this podcast, I need an angel on the other shoulder to join me, and that person is none other than Phil Rude. How you doing tonight, I get to sir? be the angel. I never get to be the angel. This is great. I'm I f- the devil in every scenario. Oh, man. I figured I figured you appreciate that. I figured you'd appreciate what a, that. What a yes. rare treat. I love it. So, so yes, we are discussing the um, Amazon slash bbc studios series good omens which i actually found out from reading this did air on bbc too oh cool so i did not know that but um we're discussing this came out earlier this year uh they released all the episodes at once did one of those net netflix drops but it was an amazon show um i just just um asking you sir to, to start off this what drew you into wanting to watch this or, or your interest in this? But, but I mean, of course, before me telling you, hey, I wanted to have you on for a record, hopefully that wasn't your first time watching this. No, no I just actually did a uh, abbreviated rewatch this past week. Um, but yeah, uh, what I am aware of this book for a long time, but it is sort of the blind spot in my Neil Gaiman uh, library like I'm I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan so like that's what drew me in first and foremost mm-hmm. uh, and then I was like well maybe I should read the book first and then I was just you know eventually uh, said to hell with it and and jumped in and and watched the series but yeah just Neil Gaiman and uh, I I don't know Terry Pratchett's work but I know of him and that he is very well regarded and that this was a unique project with both of them Yes, um, the other, it says other notable works is Discworld and um, Nation, or his other notable works. Uh, I'm only familiar with this, uh, with Good Omens. Um, I actually did decide to uh, book on tape, or book on digital book, however it goes now. I'm I'm, I'm so used to saying book on tape, because that's like what I I grew up with. So, um, I did enjoy this through that medium afterwards so i watched this show fell in love with it um wanted to know wanted to kind of get get the ball rolling on you know what's the book like so i did that um for any listeners this is not going to be a compare and contrast between the two because um unfortunately phil has not read it and unfortunately for me they are similar enough that there are some times i'm like was that in the book or in the show because they're very similar just yet little tiny pieces here and there are different and i know somebody who's reading the book is probably like oh there's great and it's like yes there are stuff that is left on the cutting room floor but i mean that's that's in any medium for the most part the the in my opinion the book works for the book the tv series works for the tv series because they sort of end a little different uh, same conclusion, just there's a weird thing right at the end in the series that doesn't happen in the book. But we'll get to that. So um, I guess for me, I just saw previews for this and was like, this looks really good. And I've always had like a vague affinity for Neil Gaiman stuff, even though I was not aware it was Neil Gaiman stuff. Oh, wow. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like his book stuff is stuff I'm just not aware of as... A, I was not. Now I am more aware because I have kind of 
gone down the rabbit hole of Neil Gaiman. So um, stuff like uh, Stardust. It was like one of my... Yeah. Uh, I, I love that movie. Did not know that it was something he was involved in. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in good the book, you know, like yeah, better uh, good movie, better book kind of thing. You know. Yes. Yeah. And and that is why I'm not read yet, but I was impressed with that. Uh, Coraline. I'm not big on that, but I know that, once again that's something that he was involved in. Um, American Gods is a series. I've I've only read the book, and I love the book. Yeah. For that and its follow-up, uh, Nancy Boy, which, uh, as listeners of this podcast may be aware, I did not know it had a follow-up until uh, the co-host Eric told me that. So that was kind of really cool. Um, I, I am gonna, I am going through watching the series and everything, but that's kind of how I got introduced to it. And oddly enough, I've never read any of his comics. I, I oh weird. I, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Phil, are you okay? Because I'm pretty sure that might cause a heart attack I, I, in some people. I find that really surprising. I mean, like Sandman is a, uh, it's a well-regarded series, but like I know that's a take it or leave it series. You know, I've read, mm. I've read some of it. I'm not like. I'm not head over heel. I like it. It's good, but it's not like the best Neil Gaiman stuff. But he's also written like some Batman stuff, like uh, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader is a really interesting yeah. thing. And he's written some short, short form uh, mainstream like DC comics quite a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of surprised. It's almost hard to avoid just tripping I, over it at, at a certain. Here's point, the thing: man. I might have read some right. of the stuff and just not realized that it was from him. In that sense, like, I mean, I'm looking over his, like, stuff he's worked on, and it just goes and goes and goes. Um, Another thing, apparently, he did some of the adaptation work for Princess Mononoke, which I have pointed out is one of my favorite anime anime movies. So, like I said, this, this guy has weirdly been around in my life. But not to the point that I've ever really embraced it until recently. Since I have watched Good Omens, and this is not a brag thing, I'm just pointing this out. This is how deep down the rabbit hole I went. Um, I did Good Omens. After that, I listened to American Gods, A Nancy Boy, uh, his Norse mythology book that he did, where it's right. him basically telling the Norse, uh, retelling the Norse stories. Um, and I am in the process of. I think, think it the, the next one on my list is i think it's um it's never neverwhere neverwhere i was i was yeah. about to say cuz a lot of his stuff has also been adapted by like the bbc right, yeah. into a lot of like radio dra- cuz bbc i realize is really big on radio dramas and stuff like that yeah the neverwhere so that's the uh, next one the the audio play is great and i but i also recommend reading the book i've i've done them both mm-hmm. and i i'm pretty sure i own the the radio play on my audible account it's amazing and like every really cool british actor like anthony heads in there and uh uh geez i'm drawing a blank i'm sure michael sheen is in there david tennant i think is in there. <laughs> like all the all the the guys you know what i mean like that that sci-fi bbc crew um well you know, i'm sure there. a few of them are going to come up in the discussion we're about to have on this miniseries as well yeah yeah, all the all so, the same players, all the same the usual suspects kind of thing. Exactly. So that's kind of how how I got kind of I guess my Neil Gaiman kick. So so I mean I haven't gotten off of that yet because I've really enjoyed what he's done. But this series, like I I've always loved British humor. I found it I always find it ridiculously funny to no end. Um, 
and, and oddly enough, I'm not a fan of The Office, the American version, but that's, of course, the American version of it. Um, I, I, I just, I, I really like just the, the over-explaining humor of stuff right. sometimes, or the just, the, one, one of the things that, that caught me in my rewatch was the, because this joke is in the books too, where it's talking about Crowley's plant, or Crowley's plants, how they were the most beautiful oh, yeah, yeah. and most terrified plants <laughs> in all of London. It's dumb jokes like that, that I, for some reason, just love like an idiot. And stuff like that. Also, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has a lot of dumb humor like that, right. where it's just, where, where it's just very over-explained. I I like to say over-explained jokes or just jokes that in no con don't make sense in any context. Like why are the why are the plants scared? Why are they like like it's just it doesn't make any sense except for the context of the joke being made. So that's why I kind of was very interested in this. Also, um, not a big Doctor Who fan, but I do like David Tennant. And seeing him involved, I was like, interesting. So that kind of got me interested in this. And I think on May 31st, I might have watched almost this entire series in one go. Wow. <laughs> when it originally came. I, 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 I had the day off. It was one of those, I had the day off so I could just kind of sit there and go through it. So, well, and it's not like so that, that was my extremely long. It's not a 13 episode stretch to get through. I mean, it's six hours essentially. Yeah. Um, it, it's essentially six hours. They do go by at a very steady pace. If you're, if you're going, if, if you're going through them all like back to back to yeah. back. Um, and the other thing I like is the stories told very broken up to an extent of how you get like, I really like the episode where I think the first like almost half the episode, the credits I don't think roll until like thirty oh, minutes yeah. in almost. Yeah. It is it's but it's at uh twenty eight minutes because I'm like I remember I know what you're talking about, and when the credits roll, I go, Wait, they haven't done this yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's that that's the episode where you get the whole like through the um through the years of um Aziraphale and Crowley yes. it's like relationship and their sort of tenuous um truce between each other because of course Aziraphale is an angel who was there at the beginning and Crowley is a demon who was also there at the beginning but is the um serpent from the garden of eden right yes yes or Crowley because it 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 flips back and forth in the series if i remember correctly. yeah they uh he's 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 Crowley and then um he says oh it it it's demeaning and Aziraphale says well you were a snake and he says he says well I'm changing it and he goes what is it Crowley okay fine you know it's uh and it, it falls right in line with uh Alistair Crowley and all that stuff exactly uh, it's, it's really great uh that flashback sequence is for me that's kind of the selling point of the whole series because it's like you kind of come to understand like oh these guys are like legitimate friends but they know they're not mm. supposed to be and that that to me is the crux of the whole series really i feel the series focuses more on that than the book does the book kind of alludes to a lot of it but the series actually okay. puts it at the forefront uh also there's a ton of great jokes of like the oh your um your your unicorn's getting away yes. when they're sitting there at the <laughs> <Noah's> um <arc. laughs> yes so, so so there's jokes like that um another kind of actor I want to throw out that I was like, when I was watching the first episode and I saw his credit go by, I was like, really? It was Nick Offerman. Oh, yeah. I was like, 
I wonder who he's going to be in this. And, of course, when they were like, oh, the American diplomat, I'm like, oh, of course. He's going to be the quintessential American we know in this series. And that's what he was in this. So I, I really, really like the casting of that, that he is the most American person you could have probably gotten to do that role. He's pretty good. He's uh, uh, the kind of absentee husband... Uh, mm-hmm. A career politician, yeah, he's and and he fits that role. I love that he's like skyping into the birth of his son, yeah, and, and stuff like that. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a small role, but he he just kind of chews the scenery while he's playing it. It's pretty fun, and and that and that's what I loved about this um this, this series and everything. I mean, there's there's so many great characters that I think do a great job. Um, a lot of the set design the costumes are very iconic to this series like this is something i never picked up on like why they're doing it but all the demons like have like the little creatures on their head or or just something because the one um beelzebub has flies around her him or whatever it is constantly and then all the angels have like pieces of gold or something on their face. I don't know if you notice that too, when they're in heaven, they have like gold around their face a little bit. It's the, yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be, I guess a halo effect or, or something. Uh, but everything is very white and everything is very pure. Um, and aside from the, just the, the lizards and frogs on the heads of the demons, everything is very industrial and dark and dingy in Mm -hmm. hell. It's, it is great set design. It's, it's really, and it's, pretty minimal like it's not yeah it's not fancy it's not like they they poured a ton of money into making hell look miserable they just kind of made it look like the basement of a a corporate office building (laughs) you know and And that's what it was treated as in the show because there's one time where like people are sitting there trying to stop the leaks and stuff right that keep happening. They're, they're waiting um, on maintenance to come fix the leak, and yep. everybody is just shuffling paper around all the time. <laughs> it's really, it's really. I I love the the commentary on like bureaucracy in in this, and we're talking about the afterlife is just being this bureaucratic mess. Another thing I really enjoyed was the sly little jokes about stuff Crowley's created over the years that keep slipping in. Like, um, it's mentioned that the selfie. Is something he created. <laughs> um, there's the mention of the um, the M25, and I think the joke is made that that he had to go out and manually move like fence posts and stuff himself to make sure it like made this this um, old demonic shape the, and everything. Yeah, 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 and everything. So I I, I like the little joke. I feel like there was another thing he created that I'm missing that that everyone just kind of rolls their eyes about, but. Um, and, and of course, that's that's also pointed out in the introduction to him when he when we first meet him when he's meeting up with um with Haster and Ligger, which once again a very funny British joke is the whole they they're 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 pacing themselves lurking, with enough lurk um stowed up to lurk one a quick a quick burst of lurk before dawn, and and it's just like I'm like I don't get this but it's just it, it's so British. it's one of those yeah. things that it, it is very British. And that and that's a joke that once again carries from the book over to the show and everything. And I really enjoyed like humor like that. And then when they show up um, to talk to Crowley, there's a ton of you know little jabs there. And then he says "Ciao" as he's leaving. And then there's the oh, it's Italian for Italian food. Italian for food, yeah, 
Yeah. So so there's jokes like that. Like like I enjoyed everything in this in this show a lot. Like I said, it led me to go seek out the book, which um, as I point out, not too different, but has has some elements that the show doesn't. And the show kind of updated some stuff too, which I think and this is just off the top of my head, I think in the radio play they did there was some slight updates to like technology and stuff okay. that had come about since the book was written because the book was originally written in 1990. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gotta be tw- uh, that's what almost 30 years old. Yes, um, almost 30 years old. But yeah, you see stuff like uh, just modern concerns. Like one of the horsemen is pollution, which is not one of the original four horsemen of the mm-hmm. apocalypse. But in dealing with uh, the climate crisis that we're in, like that is actually brought up multiple times that people are ignoring. Uh, you know, pollution and, and the trashing of the planet. Like, so yeah, you can tell it's bumped up quite a bit from 1990 where it's like, yeah, there was awareness of this, but now it is sort of a, a fever pitch. And, uh, if I remember correctly in the book, it explains that, um, pestilence gave up after they made insecticide. He just said, I give up. And then pollution kind of took his place. Oh, So pollution is in the book then too. Yes, oh, okay. pollution is in the books. It explains. It actually explains that that out that he retires because of the fact that he just didn't feel like doing it anymore, and that that kind of pe- pestilence wasn't as big of a thing anymore because of all of the modernization. So then that's when pollution was able to step in to that to that spot and everything. Uh, the horsemen in the books, like each of them, has like a chapter explaining like what they're up to and everything and all this stuff. Basically. And, and, and the show does a good job of that. Like when War shows up somewhere, she's basically followed by War. Right. She just and everything. It in her wake. Uh, yeah, uh, pollution is alluded to at one point as like he's on like a ship that um, that struck an iceberg or something, and it's an oil tanker, oh, okay. and he's like he's he's slowly going away from it by like just you know rowing away from it in the only boat that's going to make it out of there. Um, and then, of course, there's the whole thing with um, with famine, where he's creating the the not food food. Oh yeah, yeah, the chow. It, it's called chow in the show, isn't it? Um, I don't remember. I think it's called chow in the show because it, because there's two things in the book that it talks about and everything. But but yeah, so I mean that that does a good job, and of course, the death is death um there's also this is one of the things i am sad about that got cut from the show there was the other four horsemen because when they meet um up at that bar yeah yeah. four other guys decide to go ride with them oh really and they're like the one guy keeps changing what he's the horseman of but they of course come to a very unfortunate end on their ride with the four horsemen so that that joke is one that I'm kind of... I, I kind of wish was in here, but it wouldn't have made sense to um, put it in. It would have been very... It would have taken away from the the aspect of this. Um, the other thing we got going on in this, besides the horsemen, besides the angels, we'll get to, to Adam, is, of course, the um, Anathema device and uh, Witch Hunter Private Pulsiver. Right. Which, which I will say this... I don't know if you are familiar with the TV show Top Gear. I am not. You are I not. I have seen it, but um, okay. But I don't. You know, I, I don't know anything about it really. 
I'm going to say this now because I was like, I don't know if he would be or not, but there is an episode where they do a test drive around with the Robin, the car he has. Oh, okay. Like the same model. And I am not joking. Every single time they take a turn in it, it tips over. <laughs> like, like there, 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 there's an ongoing joke in the show where it's just one of the hosts sliding across the ground every time he goes to take a turn because the thing is like horribly balanced. It's, it's a terrible engineer. car. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is a terrible car and everything. So when that was put in the show, I just kept on every time I saw it. I was just expecting it to tip over and just slide. For an extreme amount of distance, because well, of it seeing it end well, it, but yeah, not, it, not every time. It doesn't. Um, also tied in with her, I mean, with those two are the good and and nice uh, prophecies of, of Agnes, Agnes Nutter, yeah. which those I I really enjoyed in the show and the books. They come up in the book a lot too. Yeah, that's a really interesting. Um, the, the whole witch trial, uh, burning at the yeah. stake. I, I really enjoyed that flashback more than I think I enjoyed the rest of that playing out. Like, it was it was fine, um, but, you know, the angel-demon dynamic was really it for me. And, uh, of course, the angel Gabriel, um, I yeah. just thought was uh, top-notch. I love John Hamm. But, so, um, so but it, was oh, a, yeah. it, was a, it was a fun story, but it... Um, it was not my, it's not my main focus of what the series is. It's so, so you were more on the, on, on the angel demon storyline going. Yeah. That was my favorite of the, of what we were following through there is, is, I mean, David Tennant and, uh, Martin Sheen, they just played so well off each other. I mean, I, I don't know if they're old buddies or if this was the first time they worked together. It just worked i think their chemistry was fantastic well the thing i thought that that really stood out for me with the two of them was the by by the way i guess this is too late to say this if you haven't watched the show (laughs) there's a lot of spoilers we're about to discuss and have been discussing the part where they switch bodies yes or switch um identities which that part's not in the book so that that was that was kind of a nice twist for the show to have that um because when it cuts back to them, they kind of have adopted each other's mannerisms, like when they're sitting on the park bit, bench yeah. and stuff. And that's what I really liked was that the, both of them are good enough actors that they were able to kind of mirror each other's portrayals of these characters and stuff. In a way we have not seen so masterfully done since Nicolas Cage and John Travolta switched faces. You know what I'm talking In face about. In face-off. 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 <laughs> aren't they supposed to be doing a remake of that? I, I'm sure. I mean, it's been more than five I, years since something's been made. You know they're rebooting it. I, I, was, I was about to say, you know what, with, with us saying it, someone has, of course, started yeah, that. As, um, as we are saying it, it is happening in, in a meeting room somewhere. So, um, the other thing I like about this, and this this is something that I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of and I don't divulge, like... I'm, I'm not, like, keeping it t- strictly to my chest. And I'm not trying to... Huh? That sounds scandalous. It, it does, and it's something I'm trying to think of how to word it, because I'm like, this is going to sound bad, but it, it's not as bad as you think. I like the aspect of the biblical revelations. Like, the story of it. The stuff that, like... Like, like, like the grandeur... Like, the... Reading it as a story... 
No. Because um, this has a lot of stuff play into it, and that's why I really liked it, is they did their research. They they did a lot of stuff that that makes everything make sense, like the, the whole Megiddo and everything. That's part that's actually in the Bible. The battleground of Megiddo was, of course, is where Armageddon comes from. Is because that's the I think they said it was the Greek pronunciation that is true. So I like the aspect of stuff like that coming into play in this show and the books. It just someone did really good research on it, and that's why I like that. Also, if I remember correctly, um, when Satan does show up, he has seven horns, and oh, yeah. if I remember correctly. In Revelations, the creature that shows up is supposed to have seven crowns, which, of course, seven horns could be... I, I'm just saying I appreciate the level of detail they, they put into this and everything in the sense of taking from the original and using it in here. Um, I will say this from reading other stuff by Neil Gaiman where it does uh, American Gods dealing with a lot of different the, um, pan- pantheons of gods and stuff like that. Well researched there because a lot of stuff comes up. I know he's big into um, Norse mythology because, um, of course, American Gods has a lot of Norse mythology in there. And, of course, he wrote an entire book about Norse mythology, too. So it's nice that he took the effort or him or Terry Pratchett took the effort to make sure to play that into not only the book, but into the series as well. Because I know um, Archangel Michael is, I mean, uh, Gabriel Gabriel Michael, all of them are are like named quote-unquote named um beings in the bible yeah um, yeah gaiman is uh uh i think big into folklore in general like yeah um, a lot of sandman has some basis in you know uh different gods and different i I don't know if they're based on real pantheons or if they're just sort of mapped onto existing uh folklores uh, he has another book. It's like a young adult book called Odd and the Frost Giants that deals with uh, Thor and Loki and Odin um, it, it, as being like shapeshifters and dealing with this uh, Norwegian kid in medieval times. It's a just he's really embedded in it. So, yeah, it's no surprise that um, that he took the revelation and just said, OK, now we're putting our story on top of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and for liking Revelation, you're not alone, man. Uh, Revelation is, uh, if you listen to the last podcast on the left, uh, yeah. Henry Zabrowski's like, Revelation's metal as shit. You know, like, it is It is a horror movie, essentially. Like, it's really intense, and as a story, it, it really works. But he does it, and he not does it here, too, with and, the Garden of Eden and all of this stuff. He's He's really playing on the Bible in a really, you know, kind of fun way. And not to plug that show, because I don't think they need it, but at the same time, to plug that show, Last Podcast on the Left did a great episode on Revelation. Like, they... They They broke it I will say this. Yes, they... they, That that show does an amazing job with um, their research, stuff like that. Yeah, there's humor, there's potty jokes and everything, but it's it's making fun of very dark stuff. It's shining a light in the dark places, in my opinion. Uh, Also, this is just something I found out... We are missing another essential um, British actor who I just found out was in this show. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Is he in Good Omens? He is. He's the voice of Satan, apparently. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I just happened to be glancing at something, and it said Benedict Cumberbatch, part of the cast, part of the ensemble cast, and I'm like, as who? I think Benedict Cumberbatch is contractually obligated to be in everything right now. Everything um, British. But yeah, definitely everything British. He's in the Neverwhere uh, radio play as well. Interesting. See, I... That, that 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 is the next thing on my Neil Gaiman like um, binge of stuff. So I will definitely probably by the time you listen to this, I'll probably have begun listening to it. Myself. I want to hear what you think about it uh, when when you get through it because I think it's I a really will, fun story. I think you'll dig it. I, I will definitely see. I have no, I have nothing going with this one. All the other Neil Gaiman stuff I've had kind of a premise to go on. This one is one that I know nothing about. So even better. I'm I'm. I'm I'm very excited to see where this goes. Oh, that's so. that's kind of how I came into Good Omens. I knew it was him and and Pratchett, but I didn't really know what it was about. So uh, I came in cold to Good Omens, and I think it's even better because you just have no expectation, and you're delivered mm-hmm. something fantastic. You know what I mean? I, I definitely know what you mean. Like I said, I only knew that this had to deal with like Armageddon in the end of day, so I was like, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a watch. It should be good." And um, I I was I was thoroughly impressed with it. I've actually rewatched it a few times just as like it's it's something I, I like to just have on in the background now if I'm working on something or nothing too strenuous because it's 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 a great show to watch over again because I'll miss I'll pick up you on pick details up a I miss jokes that you missed the first mm-hmm. time through and yeah exactly stuff stuff like that um the other thing i wanted to point out and this is just something uh, once again my love of british cinema coming through i mentioned the theme song the the opening credits i fell in love with the music for this show i fell in love with the opening credits because it's this weird very i i know that there's a term for what they what what they do like the where it has realistic pictures, but the proportions are wrong, and and they're like look like they're little stick figures almost, like yeah. on stick figure bot. I, I know that there's a, probably a term for it, but I it looks like it's a really very Monty Python, like animatic without being yeah. like fully animated, uh, and it's just shape based. The it the look of the opening credit sequence is amazing. And, and I, I loved that. I, I loved it. It was something that, like, when I was first watching this, I was immediately hooked. And, of course, as you watch the show, you realize like more and more scenes. that, that <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just telling the entire story all the way through and everything. So that's what I really loved about about that, too. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you, you have. I'm sorry. I've, I've been going for a while, I feel. Um, anything you have that, that, that you wanted to point out? Real quick, that that really spoke to you in your rewatching, original watching, or just thoughts on this. I mean, a lot of it has to do with, uh, like I said, the the dynamic between the two leads. You know, I love John Hamm as Gabriel because I think he's just the, you know, when he's like pretending to buy pornography because, <laughs> because he, and then then he acts like these humans they're so stupid i can't believe we fooled them that easy and he's just like everyone's like yeah yeah uh but i think the satire that runs through this whole thing without being heavy-handed and without making a it just runs throughout like it's sort of poking fun at the military in a way without criticizing the military they're just saying like uh these are organizations that kind of they want to go to war 
like heaven and hell are stand-ins for for the military industrial complex like we mm-hmm. have to go to war just because that's what we have to do uh it takes shots at religion um but it, in that way that we all have where you know it's like uh he's when, when crowley's looking at noah's art going is he going to murder all these children <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and i apologize it's I'm not trying to make a commentary on on religion. It's just hard to avoid the topic when you talk well, about it. it. Um, but he's it like, does a good job in the in the show of pointing out like even that that's part that's one of the story elements is the the whole thing of who's really the good what's, guys here. Yeah, yeah. Who's the good guys? And then like, is this God's ineffable plan? And they're like, of course. And I'm like, but is? And then they yeah. go the whole, but is it? And they have to kind of stop there and be like. I don't know. We need to go discuss this. Right. When, when when Crowley says at the end, he goes, you don't know, do you? No. It is, that's yeah. where everything comes home. You know, like, oh, we've just been doing this because we're told we're supposed to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the other, the other aspect of their friendship is this tribalism thing is like, these two are clearly friends. They've known each other for 6,000 years and they have to keep, pretending that they're not friends because they're like we're not supposed to be friends we're not even supposed Mm -hmm. to be talking it's so fascinating to me um to watch that because they you know they clear i i think um at one point aziraphale you know he gives the ultimatum like uh you have to set this right or i will never speak to you again and crowley is like oh my god no like it is you see it there that like no, these two really genuinely value each other, and it's just such a fun take on uh, on seeing a a male friendship, and also just seeing how opposing sides, are, you know, it, without being that very special episode of something where you know, like, <laughs> or or those move those Cold War movies in the eighties, yeah. you know, where it's like, oh, they found the Russian guy and he was really cool, you know, like it's 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 better than that, it's smarter than that, and I just really appreciate how this show brought that together. I I, I really did too. I, I like their whole aspect with each other, and 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 it's funny because during that whole flashback sequence, they're the like. They're the same people throughout right. all of history with each other. It's just they, they've grown to – even when they first meet in the garden, he, he uses his wings to shield yeah. – to help shield Crowley yes. from, the, um, from the rain and everything. Um, a, a few more just little notes I want to point out of just really things I appreciated. Uh, the Crowley having the, um, the, the snake eyes and wearing the sunglasses oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. It was just a nice little detail that like – just, just, just made the. I, I feel it just made it made it a lot better in that sense. Um, the, the, the atmosphere of the show. Um, the other thing, I love, love, love the Queen soundtrack that was oh, yeah. riddled through this because in the books it's riddled through it. And if I remember correctly, there's a quote in the book that says, "If any cassette, because this is back during cassettes, cassette times, yeah. if any cassette is is left in a in a car for more than like I think it's like 48 hours, it just turns into a queen uh, tape." Uh, I remember, it, I remember the days when every car with a cassette deck had a had a queen tape in it, or even mm-hmm. moving on to CD players, everybody had a queen 
album in their car at one point. Or yeah, <laughs> that's... You, you had to. You you had to, and that's that's a true thing. I I really enjoyed that aspect of that being a part of this too. Is is having that. Um, another thing I thought was very funny was the way of the. That's the other thing that Crowley created. Um, I don't know if it's pointed out in the show because I cannot remember, but it's pointed out in the books that he's the one that came up with hiding subliminal messages in like radio and television and stuff, and that's how they communicate with him. Oh, in, oh okay. in the show constantly is through the like they'll just appear on screen right and everything talking to him and it's something that always irritated him in the books because he came up with that idea and they used it completely wrong do you want in his opinion do you wonder if crowley really does all the stuff that he claims that he does or do you think he is he just takes credit, credit it's, it's pointed for, out in the for things in the show i th- or uh or like uh, what's the one thing he does he like he takes cell service away when, when yeah. they're comparing of like how that I tempted a priest and I bribed a politician and he goes, I took out the cell network of greater London. <laughs> um, actually I, I do think he takes credit for stuff that he didn't do at all because there is the point out that like, um, the Spanish inquisition or something was, he took credit for that or something, and he had nothing to do with it. They just kind of just gave him, oh, they, they, they gave him an award for it or something. They okay, gave him an award yeah. for, I think, the Spanish Inquisition. But the cell service thing is actually um, is actually in the book, too, but it's phone lines because, of course, 90s. Right. Um, he takes out all the phone lines, and it's explained in the book how he 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 thinks that their their, their stuff is like they're, they're sculpting a um, – a, a like sculpt they're they're making a sculpture they they take so much detail onto one person corrupting their soul but then he points out that him shutting down the cell network slash phone network for the entire greater london area has caused so many people to be so angry right. and misdirect their anger at other people that that he's not winning a soul he's just making everyone miserable right and 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 that they and that the two of them will never understand that it is so that's yeah, and it, that it falls into with his his character, and that's why I wondered mm. about uh, all of that stuff, whether or not he really did. Because I also point out that he's like very apathetic and very like he doesn't really care about the Antichrist until he realizes Mm-mm. like, oh, that means it's the end of my ride. Like he's kind of on yeah. vacation on Earth, and and even the other demons who are meeting him, they're like, he's gone native. He's not. He's not into it. You know what I mean. Like so, he's he's kind of a lazy demon as far as really, really turning things over. Well, there's the um, there's the paintball game that that he makes <laughs> <Yes>. them all. Um, <laughs> get, he, he gives them real guns and everything. <laughs> and I, I I like the aspect of that because it's he points out oh they none, none of them are actually going to hurt them like get hurt they're all going to but it's like. A normal demon wouldn't have done that. They probably right. would have just let him get... But it's like, he's doing that because... Because he, he does have a little bit of good in him, no matter what um, he says himself, I think. It's, he and, almost and that, just wants to cause mischief. He's, like, just amusing himself. And then then he'll do a take back on it, or whatever. He doesn't really care about committing to stealing souls. Yeah. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's what makes this so interesting, is is um 
is, of course, Aziraphel isn't like the squeaky clean angel either. I mean, he doesn't do anything noticeably bad. It's just he questions stuff. He right. He's not all with the whole plan all the time, which if you caught it in the show, it points out that that's basically Crowley wasn't against like heaven or anything. He just asked questions and just kind of hung out with the wrong people at the wrong that's time. That's what he says in the show is I, I yep. was hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, yes. And then when he and, gets drunk and, at the end, he kind of replays it all like, oh, next thing you know, I'm doing a free fall into a pit. <laughs> yeah. Know, like. Yeah. He, it, it's pointed out in the book that, that why a lot of other angels fell from heaven, he sort of sauntered his way down slowly. Right. Um, so I, and like, like I said, I really, really loved the, everything they, they did in this show. And I, I just enjoyed it. It's definitely something to where, after reading the book, I had nothing against... Like, the book stands alone as its own thing. Sure. The book has elements in it that work for the book. The show has elements in it that work for the show. And they both work perfectly fine. Um, I kind of find it funny that neither of us have really talked about um, Adam at all. Or his whole story. Because I'm kind of... Once the two angels are out of it, I'm just kind of like... Okay, he's going to be evil at some point. So, let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, the whole, I thought, I thought the Adam story was the weakest part of the series. And I understand it is the crux of the series, but, Mm -hmm. uh, or of the plot anyway. Uh, for me, it just was not, it was not really interesting outside of the one episode where everything goes bananas and he like, he, um, sort of wills atlantis into existence Mm -hmm. and uh aliens and i mean that episode on its own is crazy because it it all gets thrown at the wall and i think that's that's the most fun i have with that character is um is just i'm that that one sequence because it is so out of left field you know what i mean i am right there with you on that one it's his character is interesting for what he needs to be, but I feel like the surrounding cast of everything else going on is the more interesting story, right. in my opinion. Because it's like we know what he's going to do. It's just you just kind of just got to let him do it, and we'll see what happens. I, I guess it's, we're sort of in the same place as everyone else. We're just waiting for him to do what he needs to do and see what happens afterwards. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a detriment to the show or anything. I don't want to come down no, no, no. Hard it's, on it. it's, it's just it's not. not super interesting when you compare it to the dynamics of the rest of the the characters um the the witch finder uh private witch finder first Pulsiver. class Pulsiver and um i forget her name agnes nutter's descendant oh um anathema device that's the one uh it's it's the only reason i remember that it's just such a weird name and i know it's a reference (laughs) so uh but they're um i don't feel like their plot has a lot to do but their chemistry is interesting their their relationship is interesting enough to carry the weight of that and um everybody else just sort of has this fun dynamic and then you you get to eh, they show the kids and they're playing in the woods and it's fun and the hellhound mm-hmm. shows up, and he turns into a, like a, a fun little dog, and yeah, that's cool. And it's all just, it's all just fine. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's just, it does not grab hold of me the way the rest of it does. I, I, I just like like the, 
the the one thing I do like about that is the point out of like when um Aziraphale's there, he says that he feels love when he's there. That that's kind of and also that the areas had perfect weather. Right. The entire time that um that Adam's been alive. I really like that aspect of the 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 show is that that kind of was his like he could manipulate reality and that's how he unknowingly did it was he gave himself the perfect childhood. It's like the the Twilight Zone episode of uh, yeah. the the Lost in Space kid who can control everything except this kid doesn't know that he can control it all, which is uh, which is another level on top of it. But yeah, it, it is interesting. Things that happen around him are interesting and they drive the plot forward. Yes. Um, overall, I love this series. I wish there was more to this, but there isn't. And I kind of like it that way. I definitely in, like in my it that opinion. way. I I, um, I I know we tend to say, oh, I love that. Give me more. And that's our gut reaction on everything. But I think yeah. I think a lot of stuff just goes on too long. And I, I like when a series goes, this is our story. And we're telling it in X number of seasons. And then we're getting out. You know, like everything doesn't have to be Doctor Who and go on yeah. for 60 years. And this is a, I like this especially because uh, Terry Pratchett is not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. And this was he and Neil Gaiman, you know, this was their collaboration. And you kind of don't want to see it, more of it done without Terry Pratchett involved. Yeah. I know uh, Neil Gaiman was really involved in writing the script for this. And he did, which is why I'm not hitting too hard on the differences because it's like he's just adapting right. it. And if he's working on, it, I mean, obviously he he was there when he when it was written in the beginning. So, yeah, I mean. and there were things that were added. Uh, he said in interviews these were things Terry and I talked about and that we loved, but we just couldn't find room for them in the book. And this mm-hmm. was my chance to say this was me and Terry's work that you guys haven't gotten to see yet, and it was. So it was very personal for him, and I really appreciate that aspect that he was able to go, yeah, this is still our work, and and this is my chance to share it with more people. It's, it's I think, a really cool tribute to Terry Pratchett. Awesome. Speaking of our work and sharing it with other people, sir, where can people... F- Actually, before I go with the outro thing, have uh, you, the listener, seen the show or read the book? What are your thoughts on it? Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever you can find Zygnus. But, of course, if you want more from Phil, where is the best place to find you, sir? Uh, you can find me at philrude.com. That's my hub. You can get all my social media handles there. You can find me on the Brokebot Mountain podcast with David Luzader and occasionally with Zenger. Yes, 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 yes. And I recently had a short story published in an anthology called Deception from the Writing Block uh, Writing Collective. I have a short story in there called Card Tricks and Other Tavern Miracles. It is available (laughs) on Amazon uh, in Kindle or paperback. And, uh, you know, it's me plus i think there's 25 to 30 other writers in there there's some amazing stories in there uh it's really worth your time i really encourage you to pick it up and what was that again sir it's called the deception anthology from writing block that's block without a k all right thank you very much for that sir 
Um, thank, thank you, of course, for being on Zygnus again. You are the, I feel, unofficial third, fourth, or whatever host of Zygnus. Oh, I appreciate um, that, Matt. Thanks and for I know that, I, I know that you'll be back again soon. But, um, of course, if you want more from Zygnus, you know where to find us if you're listening to this, hopefully. But if not, you can, of course, find Zygnus on uh, almost all social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. I almost said Netflix out of just <laughs> habit of saying Netflix so often. Um, and, of course, you can also um, listen to us on most of your most of your favorite podcatchers. And, um, as always, uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, don't punch anyone out too hard on your shopping sprees. And um, I guess I'm just going to start ending the episodes with this statement of I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs>